If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to the book of Ruth again. And then also, if you would like to put a piece of paper or a finger or something in the passage that Blair read for us earlier from 1 John chapter 4, we'll be going there this morning as well. But we are going to start in Ruth chapter 4. We're actually going to wind this up today. And we'll begin reading there at verse 9. I'm going to catch you up to the story a little bit. You're probably familiar with it, how Naomi and her husband had left the land of Israel in the time of the judges, a time when there was no central government, a time of lawlessness, a time of, of people who, who would come and kind of run, place, run parts of the country like a sheriff or a marshal, and they called him, that person, a judge. And there was a famine in the land, and so Naomi and her husband Elimelech went across the river to foreign country and lived there for a year, for a, a number of years. And then Elimelech, the husband, died. Uh, the two sons married Moabite women, and then both the sons died. And after about 10 years, Naomi decided to go back to where she had come from. When she came back there, she was in dire need and in dire poverty. And so Ruth took on the task of being the family provider and she went to work doing one of the most menial of tasks, which was gleaning, which is going into a field behind the people who were harvesting and picking up the scraps. And in today's language, it would probably be picking up the kernels that the combine spit out the back end and making food out of that. Well, it just so happened that she wound up working in a field belonging to a guy by the name of Boaz, and Boaz was the guy who had been designated by law and by relationship to be their kinsman redeemer, the person who had both the, the spiritual and the moral obligation to look after them in time of need. And so if there was someone else who was closer and he wanted to buy the field that had belonged to Naomi and her husband, and Boaz said to him, listen, he says, if you want the field, you also get the woman. Uh, and those two things go together. And he said, well, I can't do that. He said, that's going to cost me something, and I, I'm not willing to pay that price. And so we're going to pick the story up here in verse 9. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Malon, who were their two sons. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the foreigner, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. 
So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And that's as far as we're going to read. Now, I want to talk about some people that you know. We all have them. And some of them we really love and enjoy, but some of them we don't get along with so well. Some of them we wish would disappear. Some of them we scrap with at times, and some of them have loved us, but there are some of them who have also loved us. We all have them, but we could do without some of them. But then there are others that we could never do without. And I'm talking about family members. You've got some of those, haven't you? Some of those you could probably do without. Some of those you really love. Some of those who really love you. Some who have really hurt you. Some who are you'd rather not talk about. We have all have them. I'm talking about people like your parents, your siblings, your aunts and uncles, your cousins, your in-laws, and even your spouse and your children. And right now, all of you are probably sifting through a list in your mind, thinking of people who you like and you don't like in terms of your family. You're maybe thinking about that brother or sister who made your life miserable, but that other brother or sister may be your best friend. Maybe you're thinking about your uncle who's the freeloader, or your cousin who was a miserable whiner and that nobody talks about in the family anymore. I went to school with a couple of brothers who told me about some of the ugly fights they had. They would pound on each other regularly. Those two boys had to share a bed in their younger days, and they told me that there was an invisible line down the center of that bed, and the one who transgressed that invisible border would suffer the consequences from the other brother. But if someone ever picked on one of those brothers from outside the family, you would have both of them in your face. There are some strange dynamics in family. And family can be the greatest support in times of trouble. But family can also give us the greatest heartbreak and pain. But you've got to love that family. It's all you have. You gotta love that family because that's what God gave you and, and that's where you are. And the Bible says that God puts the lonely in families. And here's the story of Ruth. And we ran through some of it. And how she as a foreigner came to this new land. She as a foreigner made a decision. She said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and be buried. And talk about total commitment. And you compare that to even contemporary marriage or even commitment 
to Jesus Christ. Many of the early missionaries shipped their caskets. When they went, went overseas, they shipped their belonging in caskets because they expected to die and be buried where they were going. One of my, my former acquaintances is, is with a, a group that teaches, um, um, teaches in a Bible college in, in foreign lands, and he says that many of the young people from China's underground churches are moving to foreign countries to learn to adopt, never expecting to come home again, to learn a new language, to learn a new culture in order to become missionaries and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ knowing fully that they will probably never see their family again. So here's Ruth. Left her family behind and wound up being adopted into this new family. She adopted Naomi. Naomi adopted her. The kinsman redeemer adopted and took Ruth as his own and she became this outsider who now integrated and became part of Israel. Then there was Naomi. She apparently lost it all. She lost her husband, her sons, one daughter-in-law. She lost all her future in terms of having grandchildren. She lost her property. She lost her livelihood, and she lost her future. Twice she had to leave things behind, once when they left Bethlehem and once when they left Moab again. And now she's old, and she's got nothing to show for her life. And she changed her name from pleasant to bitter, and turned into a sour old woman. And from a human perspective, she and Ruth probably had lots of reasons and perhaps some right to complain. The trouble is that complaining never really fixes anything, and there are not a whole lot of people who want to listen to it. But the reality is this, that God loves and cares for his people. And, and God puts some strange people into the Christian family. I want to tell you a story. I got a phone call earlier this week. And, and the gentleman who phoned me talked rather slowly and told me this long, sad story. And, and so, so here's, I won't rehearse, I won't, run you through the whole story but basically he's living in paddock wood he's got seven dogs one of his dogs is about to give birth and he doesn't have any food for himself and he doesn't have any food for his dogs and he he said i i was supposed to go to the food bank in pa and and well that didn't happen because my ride didn't show up and then he said i phoned this place in white fox and they were going to give me some scraps and, and basically what he wanted to do was me to pick up dog food and deliver it to Paddockwood. And then he says, well, I send up a prayer to the big guy every day. And, and um, you know, like he said, I, I expect that he would look after me. Uh, I'm not sure that, that he's a Christian and that he knows God on a personal basis. But I'm thinking, what do I do with this thing? How do I handle this? You know, is this an opportunity for us to show love to someone outside of the family of God? How do I handle this? What, what do I do with this thing? And, 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 you know, how do I... He said, well, I thought churches were in the business of helping people. And I thought, yeah, but not dogs. 
and and you know but 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 he said they're my dogs and and he said well maybe I could come to the church and and work it off or maybe you know like like when my dog has pups he said that's that's my livelihood and 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 I'll sell those pups and and I can pay you back and and like and I'm still troubled by this you know I, I got this phone call this week I'm a Christian I'm a pastor how am I supposed to relate to this thing what am I supposed to do with it you know am I, I like and and he complained and he said well the, you know he phoned one of the the pastor in White Fox, and and all he picked up was one box of food, and uh, I know Brian's going out there this afternoon to deliver the thing, but but like, how, how do you handle something like that? I mean, if if he is going to be part at at this point, probably not part of God's family, but could he become a part of God's family? If if I would bend over back, I don't know what to do. And so I said to him, well, I can't really, you know, like. The words that came, I'm kind of sorry about the words that came out of my mouth, but I said I'm not in the dog food delivery business. And then we started talking. I said, like, like, you ever come to Nipawin? Like, would you phone me? Can I buy you a meal? Can I, you know, can, and, and, you know, he got my name and my phone number and all the rest of that, and he said he would do that. But, but God loves the weirdest of people, doesn't he? And, and then he puts them into our Christian family. And then we got to deal with them. Oh, man. But you got to love the family, right? I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? You got to love the family. You know, whether it's human family or whether it's Christian family, you got to love the family. And God puts the lonely in families, and we're a family here, and here's someone who's lonely. What do I do with that? So if any of you want to make a run out to Paddockwood with dog food, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't even know his phone number. It said private number on my phone. And last, no, Friday night we were at, uh, in love at, at uh, the Gospel Jamboree. had a fundraising supper there. And, and I talked to Brian Lane, the pastor of the Pentecostal church. And, and I'm mentioning names because like, like, this thing bothers me, and we live in Nipawin, and, 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 you know, like, this is, like, this is our backyard. Where this is not someplace in Israel or, or, or Africa or, or, or Indonesia or someplace like this. This is, this is here, and, and what do I do with this thing? And it bothers me. I don't think I resolved it very well. And, Yeah. What do we do with something like that? See, God adopts the outcasts and the strays, right? Doesn't he? You know, when, when in John chapter 1, verse 12, we read this word, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you ask Jesus Christ, to, when, when you turn your life over to Him and He becomes your Savior, you get adopted into God's family, right? You receive the right to call God your Father. And in Hebrews chapter 2, we read these words that Jesus isn't ashamed to be called our brother, both the one who makes men holy, that's Jesus, 
and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So there's, there's one family. And you got to love that family, right? And Psalm 68 verse 5 says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows as God in His holy dwelling, and He sets the lonely in families. God takes people, God takes the strays and the outcasts, and He puts them in families, and that's where most of us have come from. We're strays and outcasts. I didn't fit into, I didn't fit into my own culture because, you know, like, like I'm Dutch, and we moved into this Dutch community, but there's Dutch and there's Dutch, and we weren't that kind of Dutch. You know, so, so we didn't really fit in. I was from the, the wrong tribe of Dutch people. And, and in this particular case, you see that this is true. God sets the lonely in families. Think about it. Ruth got a husband. Boaz got a wife. Naomi got a son-in-law and security. They all got Obed and Jesse and David. And then ultimately, if you read through that whole line in Matthew chapter 1, you discover that, that Jesus came out of that. Well, and if Jesus came out of that, whoops, put that thing back on from Hebrews chapter 2, please, Anson. And, and if we're all of the same family, um, and, and so Jesus was the one out of that, you and I have family. That's our family back there because if, if Jesus is not ashamed to be called our brothers and he has descended from those people on his human side, that's our family too. Boaz and Ruth and Naomi and Obed and Jesse and David, that's all part of our family, and you've got to love the family. But the whole concept of family leaves us with an obligation. There are human family ties. We all have them. And one of the proverbs that we hear so often, and I'm not going to use this one. They said you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your family. Uh, I'm going to leave that one alone. But you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? And we have people in our families that, that maybe we're not so pleased about. Maybe we're not so thinking that, that they should be... i got to lock this thing there. Family is still family whether you like it or not. But family is still family. And it gives us a sense of belonging, whether it's our family of origin, which in my case is all gone. I no longer have parents. I no longer have siblings. I have a couple of nieces, but that's about it. But I have my family of acquisition, my, my wife. I have my children. I have my grandchildren. I have my sons-in-law. And they are now my family. And family is still family whether we like it or not. And whether or not we get along with all of our family, it, it is still family, and I've got to love that family. My daughter, I may not approve of what she does, but she's still my daughter. And you may not approve of what your brother or your sister or your cousin or your uncle or your, your children are doing, but they're still your family. 
And the problem with being a family is that you often, you know, this whole thing about, do you ever think about it? Familiarity comes from the word family. Familiarity breeds contempt. And we often wind up hurting those in the family more than we wind up hurting those outside the family. It seems like we're rudest to people who are inside our own family. It seems like the biggest spats we have are with people inside our own human family. It seems like the biggest hurts that we carry around with us come from inside our own human family. But it's still family. And what could and should be the closest of human relationships often becomes the place where we hurt the most. But you still got to love that family. And even in a spiritual sense, we all belong to one family. Jesus, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Not ashamed to be called our brother. Why? Because the Bible says both the one who makes men holy and the ones who are made holy are of the same family. There is only one family. Emmanuel Baptist Church is a little group, little tiny group within that one family. We are a family within a family. But the family is bigger than Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's bigger than the church in Nipawin. It's bigger than Saskatchewan. It's bigger than Canada. It's bigger than North America. It's bigger than, than, than the American continent. The family of God goes worldwide. The trouble is that the Christian family is pretty much messed up, isn't it? We're a fairly dysfunctional family. Not Emmanuel Baptist Church, but the Christian family. We're, we're a fairly dysfunctional family. We wind up shooting, stabbing, cutting, insulting, ignoring, gouging, forgetting, and mangling each other on a regular basis. True? A few of you are going like this. The rest of you are just blank stares. Let me run that by you again. Okay, we wind up shooting, stabbing, cutting, insulting, ignoring, gouging, forgetting, and mangling each other on a regular basis. It happens. It happens. And some of you have been shot and mangled and hurt and all the rest of that, and some of you have done the shooting and the mangling. But we're still a family, and you got to love that family. And if you take a look at 1 John chapter 4. Let's go back there. First John chapter 4 and verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, that gives you an out, right? Because ought means you should. Whoa, but turn over, for me to turn over the page and verse 21, which is the last verse in this chapter says, and he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love God. His brothers. No much for wiggle room in that verse, is there? Whoever loves God 
must also love his brother. And the reality is, if you don't love the family, if you can't love the family, then you don't love God. That's just all there's to it. And the reality is that some of us wind up complaining that we're not getting the love that we think we deserve. Some of us complain that we've been hurt and we have a right to carry anger or a grudge, but the reality in this family is not getting what you think you deserve, but giving what God asks you and me to give and tells you and me to give. We are obligated, the Bible says, to love one another because God first loved us. And none of us can ever be guilty of giving more love than God gave, so that blows that excuse out of the water. You might say, well, you know, like, like I don't have that much love to give. Well, God did and gave it, so you and I are obligated to do that as well. And the reality is that it's often easier to love those who are outside of the family than those who are inside the family because outsiders don't have the same expectations that people inside do, and we don't have to live with them. And those on the inside of the family sometimes became use, become users. In other words, they become demanding and expectant and insistent, and sometimes love needs to be tough, and we need to say and do the hard things, but you still got to love the family. Gotta. Don't need to. Gotta. That's what the Bible says. Whoever loves God must also love God his brother and sister. And you say, well, I'm not God, and I don't have his time and his patience and his resources, but you still got to love the family. So think about this. Think about your own family, your extended family, not just, well, maybe your wife, your husband, maybe your children. But think about your extended family your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, in-laws, outlaws. Think about this. What would it look like in your own family if all of you truly loved each other? Well, yeah, but if you knew my stepbrother, you'd... <laughs> no, 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 no. What would it look like if this really worked? What would it look like if you really loved each other? And then think about this. What would it look like in Emmanuel Baptist Church if we truly loved each other? What would it look like? We do well, I think, in Emmanuel, but could we do better? What would it look like in Nippuan if the Christians in this community truly loved each other? What would it look like if, if we as Christians from from the apostol those who call Jesus their own, from the apostolic and the Salvation Army and the Alliance and the Holiness and, and, and the Christian Center, and, and what would it look like if all of us truly loved one another? Do you think maybe uh, that verse in, in John 13 would come through where Jesus said, uh, here's a new command that I give to you, and all the world is going to know that you are my disciples if you truly love one another. Do you think people in Nippuan would want to become part of God's family if God's family truly loved one another like the Bible says they would? 
Don't you think there would be people in Nippon saying, I want, give me some of that. And what would it look like in our world? You know, we're such a dysfunctional family, and, and honestly, there, there are some total dipsticks in the Christian family, are there not? You know, like, like this, this church in the States that's going to burn Muslims and Qurans and, 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 and like, you know, and, and, and the reality is, like, like as a pastor, I struggle because there are Christians, even in Nippon, that say that, that I'm not conservative enough. And there are others who say that I'm too conservative. And the reality is you can't please all of the people all of the time. And there are other churches who, who run us down because um, we, we have a screen behind us. And, and there are other churches who run us down because we're not using the correct Bible version. And there are other people that run us down because, um, because we still sing a hymn in church once in a while. And, and no matter what we do, somewhere along the line, it's got to be wrong. And yeah, we have some total dipsticks in this family. There's no two ways about it. But if we as Christians truly love one another, would people want to join the family? You know, I, I think that would probably work, don't you? So you say then, well, let's just forget about all our differences. We'll just love everybody and, and we'll never criticize or, or say anything bad to, to anybody. No. But I think we can do better. I, I think we can do better. And this guy in Paddockwood with the dogs, he's still outside of the family, but how do we bring someone like that into the family? And if he got to be part of the family, would we always have to bring dog food? You know, like, you know, maybe it's better to just leave them on the outside than we don't have to mess with them, right? You know, but it's funny, like, like, but on the other hand, it's real life. I mean, this happened in Nippon this week, like, you know? Huh. And I wish I could just give you answers and solutions. But I can't because I'm struggling with this as much as, as everybody else is. And, and, and I have a hard time loving some people that need <laughs> desperately need loving. And some people probably have a hard time loving me. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for this Emmanuel Baptist Church family. And, and I, I don't mean to imply that we're a bunch of dysfunctional people, but, but you know, I, I think we as God's family can do better. We're this little tiny part of God's family. We could do better, and God's family all over could do better. Jesus said the whole world will know 
You are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, and I think that people would be lining up to join the family if they truly did that. I, I've heard the words in Townville of Christians sniping at each other and Christians getting hurt by other Christians. And I've heard these words. I didn't think Christians would do that to one another. And you may have heard those words as well. Those words should never have to come out of any brother's or sister's mouth. doesn't mean we can't reprove and rebuke and whatever else we need to. But no one has the right to slice and dice and cut and destroy another Christian, especially in public. Jesus said, whoever loves God, not Jesus, John, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I hope and pray that God will give us the wisdom. I don't know totally what that looks like, and I'm going to have to ask God, show me how to do this. Because I don't know. The danger in asking God to do that is that he probably will. But I also know it's the best thing that I can do. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Then you can go outside, walk through the doors, and put this thing into practice, right? Okay. Father, it's so easy to talk about something like this, and it's so easy to theorize and to read and to listen. And yes, we're glad that you put the lonely in families, and there was Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and, and, and the whole family that resulted because of that, and then there's a spiritual reality of, of your family, Father God. The family that is so much bigger than just me and my friends. So much bigger than just me and our church. And so much bigger than just us and our community. But we got to love that family. That's what you tell us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give us, grant us the wisdom and the willpower to put your words into practice. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. Equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and may God grant you wisdom and willpower.